if you need a lesson from last week, now you're supposed to have kept it from last week, but if you forgot to bring it back, if you forgot to bring it back, an extra copy is 50 cents. <clears throat> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Raise your hand. A quarter. All right. He's got it for a quarter. All right. Raise your hand if you need an extra copy from last week. Raise your hand real quick. We're going to make sure you get them. Come on over. Come on over. Just keep coming on over. Get over here. Get over. All right. Dave, y'all going to hold down the back right there, ain't you? All right. All right. Who else? Who else? Down the back. Down the back we've got back there. Yes, yes, there we go, underneath. All the way in the back, got them. All right. Man, this is cool. I know y'all hate this. I know it. I know it. Y'all like to get spread out. But this is one time I've asked this, all right, just one time. So thank you so much for helping me with this. It'll be a great, great blessing. We are in Philippians chapter uh, number 3. We're Philippians chapter number 3. Let's go back to verse 13. Uh, we're going to try to finish what we didn't finish the time that we didn't finish. Okay, uh, and I've got some extra stuff to go on the part that we didn't finish that we didn't have last week, all right? So, I'm going to get you to write down, in your, in your notes right here, when we start taking notes, I'm going to get you to write down some stuff in this open area, and some stuff in this open area, and some stuff in this open area, all right? So, so write small, say amen. Okay, here we go, Philippians chapter number 3, in verse 13. If you're there, say amen. Brethren... I count not myself to have apprehended, but this, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press. press. Say it with me. I press. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for the blessing it is to come into your house and, and, Lord, be fed from your word. Thank you for the rain that you're sending. Lord, it's so needed. Lord, we need the rain. Thank you for the rain. And, Lord, now I pray that you'll open our hearts, open our minds, give us the ability to learn and to grow tonight. I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's get our chairs out here. Uh, let's get our chairs out here. We remember... <clears throat> We are, we are forgetting some stuff that is behind. That is our past. That chair represents our past. And this chair represents the object that, that we are pressing toward. I press toward the mark, all right? So this is the mark. Is everybody with me? Say amen. amen. Everybody remember that part? This is our commission. Uh, this is the will of God for our life. This is the purpose that God has us here on this planet. Uh, that is our past. That is our purpose. Say that with me. That is our... That is our... This is our, that is our, all right, everybody in here, everybody in this room tonight is somewhere between here and there. Are y'all with me? Everybody is. Now, some of you are closer to here than you are there, and you don't need to be. And, and, and because of this, because of our, our proximity to our past, it's kind of controlling us, and it's kind of hindering us when it comes to our purpose. Uh, how many of y'all know that sometimes the devil will bring up stuff from your past? And, and he and listen, the only reason he does that is to keep you from pursuing your purpose. Because he's going to tell you you don't deserve it. He's going to tell you you can't do it. He's going he's to give you every reason in the world. Did you notice when, when, when David went to fight Goliath? Let's just put it this way. Goliath was David's destiny. Goliath was David's purpose. But over here, when he is talking to Saul, telling Saul what he's going to do for God, that, that Saul the whole time was trying to talk him out of it. And Saul was the whole time telling him he couldn't get it done. He was giving him every excuse. He said, son, you're just a lad. And that, that, that fellow out there, he's been a man of war from his youth. Don't listen to critics. Amen. So, all right. That's our purpose. This is our past, okay? Now, we said, we said the most important part about getting over our past is to press toward our purpose. Do everything we can to press. Not only forget this, but press toward that. Now, last week, we talked about some things that are important when it comes to pressing. What do we do? What do we do to press? What is involved 
in the pressing process, if I'm going to pursue the will of God for my life, if I'm going to press toward the will of God for my life, the first thing that we said is important. What does it say in your notes? First thing, number one, there is a finding. There is a finding. If you wasn't here last week, write that down in your notes this week. There is a finding. What do we got to do? We have to find the will of God for our life. One of the most important things we could do in our life is find the will of God. You remember we read the verse where Paul had heard about a group of people that had trusted in Christ and received Christ, and the very first thing he prayed for, he said, the very first thing I pray for is that you might be filled with the knowledge of his, his will. Okay? So we have to find God's will for our life. Three things I gave you there. Three things I gave you. First, right, tell me, y'all that wrote it down, A, what is A? Everybody say it again. There's got to be a complete surrender. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. There has to be a complete surrender. You've got to let go. You've got to let God have his way with your life, okay? Then B. Everybody say it. Come on. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I've got to have my mind changed. The more I get closer to God and put God's Word in my head, it changes the way I think. It changes the way I see things. It changes the way I operate. I need to have the mind of Christ. In Philippians, we read, let this mind, this way of thinking, this process in your mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So there's got to be a change of mentality, a change of thinking. We can't think like the world anymore. We can't think like the past anymore. We can't think the old ways anymore. We've got to put off the old man and put on the new man. So there's got to be a change in mentality. Then see. All right, say it again. Everybody say it. There's got to be a constant seeking. A constant seeking. Now, here's the thing. I want you to keep in your head about this. Every day of your life, every day of your life, I want you to get up with a desire and the request of God to follow Him. In other words, in other words, let me see if I can, if this, uh, this is a poor illustration, but it's, un, it's all i got right now. Don't look for that as much as you look for this. <coughs> Here's a better way of putting that. <laughs> That was a poor illustration. <clears throat> there was a day in my life when I needed to focus on reading my Bible, not preaching. Now, preaching is my ultimate destiny. Leading and pastoring is the ultimate goal, the ultimate purpose. I'm pressing toward that. But God knew if I wasn't going to be faithful praying, if I wasn't going to be faithful reading my Bible, if I wasn't going to be faithful in my witness, if I wasn't going to be faithful in everyday holiness. Are y'all with me? It's kind of like the small things in the big things. You say, preacher, I want to know the ultimate purpose for my life from God. Well, if you'll be faithful with the little things. Watch this, watch this. I don't know God's will. Well, what do you know? Now think about this. What do you know? If you will do what you know... He will show you what you don't know. Well, I, I don't know what God's purpose is. That's because you ain't doing what you're already supposed to be doing. Well, y'all awful quiet. If you're faithful in the... Uh-huh. Y'all with me? That means constantly, constantly seek God's will. Not just, not just His ultimate will, but His everyday will. If you will be faithful in His everyday will... He'll give you the ultimate will. Amen? Now, write these three things down. Write these three things down. <clears throat> here's, here's what I want you to write down. I, I, I alliterated it, so anyway. Here, here's what you can remember when it comes to God's will for your life. Finding God's will, knowing God's will for your life. Number one, are you saved? Are you saved? got to be saved. That's first. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, Right? It is God's will for you to be saved. God wants you to be saved. Can't be anything else for him until you're saved. Right? Okay, so clarify that. Number one, am I saved? 
If I'm, I'm searching for God's will, I'm wanting God's will in my life, am I saved? Am I saved? Number two, am I sanctified? Now, that's a, that's a, that's a big word, <clears throat> and, it, and it doesn't necessarily mean what a lot of people put it out there to mean. Sanctified just means cleaned up. That's all it means. I'm in the process of sanctification. When God saved me, he, he forgave me, He washed my sins away, but there's parts of me that He's had to clean up. You know, some people, some people, you know, the moment they got saved, God just immediately, immediately took some stuff out of their life, took some habits out of their life, or took some appetites out of their life, took some, you know, I, I heard a person say one, boy, the day I got saved, I'd never cuss again. Everybody ain't that fortunate. Some people God's working on. Now, y'all don't look at me like this. I know who I'm preaching to. We all didn't quit everything right away. There is a, y'all remember the old kid song? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Are y'all with me? We can all say that. But here, here's what I want you to get from this point. You know, if, we, if we're going to know God's will, are we saved? Are we sanctified? And this is what I want you to get from here. Is there any sin in my life that's keeping God from speaking to me? In other words, is there anything between me and God? How many of y'all know sin will separate you from God? Sin will keep you from hearing from God. There, there, there can be a habit, there can be an issue in your life, there can be something that is just blocking the connection, that's blocking the fellowship. The Bible says God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Right? So, is there anything? And you say, well, how will I know that? You have not because you... I guarantee you this. If there's something in your life that's not supposed to be there, He's already told you. It's no secret. He's already told you. But, sometimes, there may be things in your life that you've forgotten. There may be a grudge that you had against somebody. There may be a situation where you've done somebody wrong and, or, or an issue and, and, and you've done forgot about it because you've moved on in your life and, 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 and you ain't thought a thing about it and they're just now you're trying to get right with God and you're trying to be what God wants you to be but there seems to be some kind of hindrance and you come to God and say, God, is there anything between me and you? Is there anything that's hindering? It's like, it's like the, the psalmist said this. He said, search me and know me. Search me. Search my heart. Search my life. Know, see if there be any wicked way in me. He wanted to be right. He's asking for God to do. And guess what? God will bring something to your memory. You thought, man, I forgot all about that. And guess what? Then we have a responsibility to do something about it. If God shows us something, we got to take action. There are some things, there are some things in our life that God will do for us. But what He has commanded us to do, He will not do for us. He will show us, He will tell us, He will reveal it to us. It, it's kind of like this. There's so many, there's illustrations in the Bible about farming. You know, God was all about agriculture. And there's, there's, there's verses, in the, especially in the Old Testament, that talk about plowing the field. Plowing the field. It, it, you know, it talks about the bottom plow and, 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 and breaking up the fallow ground. Y'all with me? And, and, and here's, a, here's a, a perfect illustration. The Word of God is a plow. It's a blade. It is a sharp, two-edged sword. Well, you put that bottom plow into the ground, and guess what? It goes underneath the surface. You know what the Bible says? It, it says his, his word is quicker. It, it's quick and powerful, sharpening two-edged sword. It's able to go in, it, deep in uh, where, where we can't even see. And so it's like going underneath the surface. And what it does, it goes underneath the ground, and it brings to the surface what is underneath the ground, what you can't see. It brings up stumps, and it brings up rocks, and it brings up stuff that will hinder the harvest. And so when God reveals this stuff, it is up to us to pick up the rocks. Now God will go underneath the surface, and He will bring to the surface the stuff that's down there, because you can't do that on your own. But He will reveal it to you, but guess what? He expects you to do the rock picking up. 
And when he reveals those things to us, let's get it right. Because we'll never be able to pursue the purpose of God in our life if there is aught, if there is something there that is between us and God. So ask. So are we saved? Are we sanctified? Number three, are we fully surrendered? Are we fully surrendered? These are good three S's. Are we fully surrendered? God, is it anywhere, anytime, any place, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to do it, however you want me to do it, wherever you want me to go, have we got to that place in our lives? Sometimes that's difficult. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes that part is harder than the sanctifying part because that part requires faith. The other part requires obedience. But sometimes, to be fully surrendered, you got to trust the one that's holding the knife. Now think about that. You remember, you remember Abraham and Isaac? Now think about this. Think about this a minute. Abraham was really, 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 really old. You with me? He was way up there in years. Isaac was a young man. Now, there's no way Abraham would have been able to physically... Y'all with me? Isaac had to submit to Abraham. And in the same way, we've got to learn we have to submit to God according to His will. I'll be honest with you. When the, when the thoughts of preaching came to my head and, and, and God began to deal with my heart and... and, 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 and and challenge me and, and, and show me his purpose for my life, and that was to preach the gospel, it scared me to death. There's no way. I don't want to do that. I watched my dad for years and years go through a bunch of junk, and I ain't going to lie. This week's been a rough week because I've seen, I've seen some church people treat some men of God really horribly this week, and it just brought back crazy, crazy memories of, of, of junk, and I'm telling you, it's a God's wonder. I'm not a mass murderer or a veterinarian. <laughs> Church people can be the most wicked, mean people that's ever been on this planet. And I said, no way. But I had to come to a place I had to trust God. And you say, why is that? Because God's smarter than we are. And God knows what's best for our life. Not, not just... Here's the thing, too, we got to get. You know, you, you, that old saying, well, Father knows best. Well, that's not always real comforting. And I know it might, in, in some ways it seems like, well, it's, it might be best for my life, but it's not going to be as fun. No, you don't understand. God's will for your life is going to be more fun than you could ever imagine. It's going to bring more joy than you could ever imagine. It's going to bring more fulfillment than you could ever imagine. Matter of fact, it's the only place where you're going to find peace and fulfillment. So you've got to trust Him. Now, if we're going to know, we're going to know God's will, we've got to be saved, we've got to be sanctified, and that doesn't mean perfect, guys. God knows I don't act sanctified all the time, neither do you. But is there anything that's between you and God, unconfessed sin that you haven't made right, deal with it and then number three am i fully surrendered because if you get those three right then you ask yourself the question what is it that i want to do what is it that i want to do because god will put in you the desire to do his will if that makes sense say amen, amen. all right let's go to number two so the first step in the pressing process the first step in the pressing process is knowing We've got to know His will. We've got to know His purpose. We've got to know where we're going, right? Then, then number two, number two, write this down. The second part is there's got to be a focus. Write that word down. There's got to be a focus. Now, now what does that mean? <clears throat> what does that mean? He said, <clears throat> Paul said this, this, come on everybody, this, this one thing, this one thing, there was something that Paul knew about the power of focus. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen those, those uh, plow horses or 
or mules or whatever they use, and, and those blinders that they put on the side. You say, why do you want? They don't want them to be distracted. They don't want them looking to the left, and they don't want them looking to the right. They want them to look straight on. Jesus said this, no man that ploweth, no man that followeth him, no man that starts this journey, he cannot look. Why? Because you can't plow a straight row if you're looking. Where's Kenny at? I saw you on Facebook and them pictures, and I thought about you when I was thinking about this. Kenny planted a garden. I mean, it's a good-looking garden, but it looked like Ray Charles laid out the rose. I ain't going to lie. I'm sorry, Kenny. That's funny. Hey, I'm just saying what he said, all right? I'm, you know. Are you picking anything yet? All right, all right. Here's, here's something that I learned when I was, when I was working on the golf course. Uh, and, and, man, it goes so perfect with this. When I, when I was first started working at a golf course, I, I was, uh, they were teaching me how to cut the greens. You know, uh, we, were, we were going from the big mowers to the small walk-behind mowers because they, uh, they, they made the checkerboard pattern in the, in the green, you know, make it look cool and pretty when the ryegrass was there in the wintertime. And this is, this is what the, the guy was telling me when he was teaching me how. He was, t- he was telling me everything on the, on the mower and how it works. It was real mowers, you know, and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And he said, now, here's what you do. <clears throat> when you cut your first line, he says, you don't look down at your mower and you don't look at, at what you're cutting or where you're cutting. He says, you pick out a target on the other side of the green, like a tree. He says, for instance, see that big pine tree right there that's standing by itself? He says, that is our target. He says, when you start, he says, you go across the green, you pick out your target, and don't ever take your eye off of that target. You go straight to that target. Don't try to look where you're at. Look at the target. If you did not look at the target, guess what? Your line got crooked. Even if you were looking at the line. Watch this. Uh, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Quickly, 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 quickly. I think it's verse, might be verse 2. But let's start with verse 1. Anybody, anybody got that? Hebrews 12. What's that? You can, you got it? All right, 12 verse 1, she beats you to it. You ought to be ashamed. No, I'm kidding. 12 1. All right, now them witnesses are all in chapter number 11. It says, wherefore we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That's all of the saints that have gone before us in chapter number 11, in the hall of faith. You know, Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith, faith. Hall of Faith, you know, that's to all those that have done great things, powerful things. They all did it in faith. Guess what? They're all up in heaven. They have given us something to follow. That's the great cloud of witnesses in verse 1. All right, verse 2. Sure. Oh, right there. Go ahead. Say it again. Everybody say it. Guess what our target is. Now, we're running a race, but we're looking under. You know what I found out? If I keep my focus on Jesus, I'll be headed to my target. It's not, it's not, this is not some, this is not some, you know, People that, people that you think have some supernatural power, some supernatural Christian and all that, you know what they've done? They've just learned to keep their eyes on Jesus. Because if you focus on him, he's going to lead you to the purpose. Y'all with me? Thank you, brother. Thank you. Now watch. Here's some keys to focus. Here's some keys to stay in focus. Because I ain't going to lie. <clears throat> I have a problem with this. Because it's hard for me to stay focused. I, I can be talking to somebody and in deep conversation and 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 I'm all 
over here in a minute. But I'm still... Uh, Miss Barry was telling me something today, something I need to hear her and, uh, and Brother Doyle stand in my office, and, and she was like three-quarters through the conversation, and I didn't forget what she said. She said, didn't you hear me? I said, yeah, but I wasn't listening. <laughs> Am I telling a lie? She had to say it again, the whole thing again, because I, I, I lost focus. And guess what? It's easy to do. It's easy to do. We got our business, we got our kids, we got our problems, we got our issues, we got things going on. Staying focused on our purpose sometimes is a chore. Sometimes it takes effort. Sometimes it's easy. There are days in ministry that's just, man, it's like ice cream and sprinkles. I mean, it's wonderful. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. And there's some days I want to leave it all. And it's easy to lose focus. Easy. Now, we're going to come back to that Hebrews 12 here in just a minute, but here's what I want you to write down about focus. If we're going to stay focused, there's some things that we've got to incorporate in our life. There's some things we've got to do to stay focused. A, write this down. If we're going to stay focused, then there's got to be some eliminations. Write that down. There's got to be some eliminations. Paul said this, come on guys, this, one thing. In order to do one thing, you got to stop doing some other things. Let me tell you, let me tell you how the devil gets most of us. You know, most Christians are not bar hopping and club shopping and, 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 and raping and pillaging and robbing banks and doing all this big sin stuff. And, and, and stuff that we, that we in ourselves would label sin, that's not the way the devil gets most decent Christians or most any Christian. You mean tell you where he gets us? Look in, look in back in Hebrews chapter 12 again. Look in Hebrews chapter 12 again. Let me show you where he gets most of us. All right? You got that, Doc? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every, every... Now, why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? If you keep on reading, you'll find out this. It says, let us... Come on, let us run. What are we running? A, a race. Now, that's, a, that's how you can describe this right here. Okay? The track from our past to our purpose. This is the race we're running. Y'all with me? This is the will of God we're fulfilling for our life. We're running a race. Now, the way Paul describes this, in that day, he always used living illustrations to describe a point or a principle and he's using athletics and he said when when people will run a race they will take off anything that they don't need to accomplish the race in other words any any heavy clothing any heavy coats they're not going to carry a suitcase they're not going to have a backpack they're not going to be carrying a briefcase they're running a race and they're going to strip down to the point that it's necessary to run the race let us lay aside every weight. Now think about this. You say, you say, well, that's the sins of my life. No, he ain't got to that yet. That's the next statement. Let us lay aside every and the. You see, those are two different things. Those are two different things. Some of us, now, now look at me, guys. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Some of us think we're doing okay because we're not out sinning. We're not out getting drunk. We're not out running around on our spouse. We're not, we're not out beating up our spouses. We're not, we're not, and you just, whatever you want to list there. And we think we're doing okay because we're not sinning. But guess what? If we are so weighted down, with things of this world, 
with schedules and agendas that's keeping us from fulfilling our divine purpose that God has put us on this planet, guess what? We are sinning. If you are not accomplishing your purpose, the Bible says, For him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. See, we don't do that, though. We don't, we don't put that in our brains. We don't put that in our computers as sin. Well, preacher, I'm just so busy. I just hadn't had, we hadn't had a chance to go to church all month because we've been, you know, we've had the kids and this and we've had that and we've had, and, 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 and our brains don't even associate that the same as sin. But guess what? Every time you put God on the back burner, every time that something becomes more important than God in your life and accomplishing the purpose that God has for you, ladies and gentlemen, that's sin. Watch this. Let us lay aside. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin, both of these things, which so so easily... Now watch this. Beset means to knock off course. It means to keep you from running. If there is anything in your life that's keeping you from running, whether it be a weight or a sin, you with me? It could be agendas, it could be schedules, it could be stuff that you've planned that God didn't plan for you. It could be habits. Then we've got to lay it aside because we've got a race to run. We've got a purpose to fulfill because we're pressing. We're pressing. You see, we don't even think about this when it comes to getting over our past. We just don't want our past to bother us anymore. We want to give over our past. We want to get over our baggage. We, don't want, to, we want to deal with this. But boy, when we really start talking about what it takes to press, it gets quiet as a church mouse in here. See? Now watch. What do we need to eliminate? What do we need to eliminate? I wrote a couple things down. Just put this off beside that word there. Sometimes we need to eliminate people. Sometimes we need to eliminate people. If there's any young people in here, You may have friends that's not conducive to you being what God wants you to be. Young couples, got some young couples in here? Every young couple in America is not conducive to your well-being. Ladies, every lady friend that you have is not conducive to your well-being. If you have men or ladies, if you have people that are in your life that causes you to have issues with your spouse, then, then, then they're not good for you. If, if they criticize your spouse, if they, let me say this, if they help you, if they help you critique your spouse, they're not good for you. Men, if you've got people in your life, if you've got people in your life that's, that's causing you to be more weak when it comes to spirituality, when it causes you to sin more than be spirit, they're not good for you. You say, preacher, but they've been my buddy ever since we was three. Well, it's time to... Everybody wants that, but they don't want to do what it takes to get that. And sometimes it's cutting off people. Everybody, let me say this. Let me say this. Don't even come at me. Don't even come at me with this garbage about, well, that is so unchristian. If there is something that's keeping you, it's besetting you from running your race, it is your responsibility to lay it aside. That is not unchristian. 
If there are people in your life that's influencing you the wrong way, it is your responsibility to eliminate that. Well, I need to be the one to, I need to, be the one to bring him to Christ. Guess what? You can pull somebody down a ladder easier than you pull them up a ladder. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Well, who's going who's gonna to win them? Let somebody else. Because if they're bringing you down, you ain't got what it takes to win them. Let me say it again. You don't have what it takes to win them. If they are affecting your race and they are bringing you down spiritually, you need to let somebody else that's more spiritual than you at the time or stronger than you at the time handle the situation. There is nothing unspiritual about that. And I'm going to say this right now because it's, it's, it's on my mind and I've got to get this off my chest. <clears throat> Forgiveness and trust are two different things. You can forgive somebody, but that doesn't mean you have to trust them. God commands you to forgive, but He tells you to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I can go put my hand in a dog pen and pet a dog on the head, and that scoundrel bite me. Now, I can forgive him, but God gives me enough sense not to put my hand back in that pen. How many of y'all had a smart grandma? You know what my grandma taught me? She said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on See, the devil don't want you to hear this. But I'm going to turn it up. This is important. If it's, if it's a person that's keeping you from getting there, it's time to eliminate that. Now, guess what? Write this down, B. If it's a practice, if it's a practice, if there's something that you usually do, It's keeping you from getting there. It's time to stop. Well, preacher, you know, we go dancing every Friday. and, it, and every, If it's keeping you from getting there, you need to stop it. Guys, if you have a problem with lust, you don't need to be hanging out at the aquatic center. This time of year. Eliminate it. Hello? Whatever it is. I, I, don't even ha I, don't, I don't even have to go into specific descriptions. You know what it is that's hindering you. Because everybody's got something different. There's stuff that would bother me, Tim, that may not bother you. And when I say bother, I'm not talking about convict. I'm talking about that would beset me. For instance, there's, there's people that has had issues with alcohol and struggle with alcohol for a long time and are trying to get sober and trying to get clean, and they can't go in. Let's just say an Applebee's. I think they serve, do they serve alcohol in Applebee's? Okay, let's say that. They can't go in there because it will beset them. I guarantee you this. You could serve me, you could serve me a steak in the middle of Jack Daniel's Brewery. And I wouldn't be tempted one half a second to touch that mess. It don't bother me. It's not going to beset me. I don't want it. I don't like it. It ain't part of my life. Any issue. But you can't say that about everybody. So we don't need to set up lists. Okay, what do I need to, what practice do I need to stop? Whatever's keeping you from getting there. It's different for everybody. You know what yours is. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit's telling you in your head right now. Hello. Why ain't we having fun tonight? See, we ain't even got to the good part. All right? Write this down beside it. Place, uh, 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 what I say the first one? People. We need to eliminate some people. We need to eliminate some practices. We need to eliminate some places. And once again... 
if, if the places we're going is hindering us from running our race, if it is besetting us, if it's knocking us off track, Guys, I'm going to say this, and I hope you understand. If we have our children in activities, and it keeps you from serving God and being faithful to God, you need to stop them activities. Because you're going to teach your children that those activities are more important than the God you serve. And once again, once again, I, my daughters played activities, but God always come first. God always come first. You've got to make sure, can I run my race with the schedule that I have? Can I run my race with the stuff in my life that's there? Can I run my race with all that I have in my daily planner? Am I able to accomplish God's will for my life for today and ultimately my life and purpose here on this earth? If I cannot do that, it's time to start cutting. You cannot focus without elimination. Amen? Now, why is that so important? B. You've got to understand, you've got to understand the concept of stewardship. Write that word down. Stewardship. If we are going to focus, this is this is point number, this is B under point number two. A was elimination. B is stewardship. Stewardship. I want you to take your Bibles, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12. In verse number 13. Luke 12. We're going to talk about stewardship in just a minute. What is stewardship? What is, what is a steward? Everybody in here is a steward. I used to say, everybody that's saved is a steward. But guess what I learned in this chapter? Everybody that's breathing is a steward. But some are just and some are unjust. Some are believing and some are unbelieving. Chapter number 12 teaches us that even lost people are stewards of the life that God's given them. And they will be held accountable for what God has given them in their life. Think about that a minute. Why do we need to eliminate some things in our life? Because we are stewards of life. What does that mean? Let me describe it to you. Here's the word. Here's, a, here's a, a, a simple description of the word steward. A trusted servant, usually someone born in the house, who was the chief of management and distribution of household provisions. He provided food for all of the servants, thus managing, here's the key, thus managing his master's resources for the well-being of others. He acted as an agent for his master with full authority to transact business in the master's name. Basically, he's a manager. He's a manager of the resources of another. Y'all with me? Does that make sense? Now watch, watch. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter 4, 10. And as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, what do we know by that? In Hebrews chapter number 4, the Bible says that God has given everyone a gift. If you want to use the word talent to alliterate it, you can use the word talent. But he's given us all a gift. And what God says is you're to use that to be a blessing to others. What was a steward? A steward was one who manages the resources of his master for the benefit of others. Are y'all with me? Now watch. We're stewards. We're stewards of the manifold grace of God. 1 Peter 4.10. 1 Corinthians 4.1. <clears throat> Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. All right, Romans 14, 12 says this. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, 
which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, watch this, and in your spirit, here's the key words, which are God's. What does that mean? You belong to God. The body you are living in belongs to God. Every single dime on this planet belongs to God. The air that you breathe belongs to God. The gifts and talents that you have belong to God. The resources that we have, the provisions that we have, the families that we have, the blessings that we have belong to God. He's the master. Now, now write these three, and you can go read them later. Luke 12. Luke 12. We're, and this is where we're going to be. Luke 12, verse 13. <coughs> but then Matthew 25. Matthew 25. And then Luke 19. Okay, all of these describe a man going away, going to get a kingdom, or a merchant man leaving and coming back, leaving his servant. Luke 19, Luke 19 says, occupy till I come. Okay, Matthew, Matthew 25, it uses the word talents. Talents, T-A-L-E-N-T-S, talents. In Luke 19, it uses the word pounds. In Luke 12, it says a portion. In other words, every one of these, a master gave his steward, his manager, pounds, talents, or a portion. Now, we, all my life, all my life, I've heard preachers apply this. You know, God's given you a talent, and if you don't invest it and use it, he's going to take it away and give it to somebody else. Like your, your gift, your, your talent, like a talent to sing or a talent to be a good administrator, whatever. That is not what that's talking about. I mean, it's a good application, but it's, it's wrong. A talent was a measure. It was a weight. It was a certain weight. Does everybody understand that? Just like the pounds. It was talking about a measure of provision or a measure of money, a weight of investment. Now, here's the way to apply that. God gives every single person a certain measure of opportunity in their life. Some people have greater opportunity than others. Some people have a greater measure of giftings. There are some people, uh, I, I think of preachers I know that can preach the house down, just preach the paint off the walls and play every instrument there is, can write songs, can sing and do all of that, and I hate them. <clears throat> I'm kidding, I don't hate them. But the thing is, they've been given a certain measure of giftings and opportunities. Does that make sense? Everybody don't have that. Every preacher can't do that. Everybody can't sing like certain people. Everybody's given a different measure of opportunity. But the thing is, we're all stewards of the opportunities we do have. Now, now write this down. This is just coming off my head. I want you to write this down. Somewhere, just find an open spot. Write this down. Number one, we are managers, not owners. Well, what do, we, what do we manage? Everything. I put in my notes there, my time, my talent, my treasure. The Bible says we're stewards of the manifold grace of God, the giftings that God has given us. I have a responsibility to, uh, to manage the gifts that God gave me. If I don't use these gifts, one day I'm going to give account for them. And that's what I want you to write down next. We're managers, not owners. Number two, we will give account. The master is coming. 
One day we will stand before the one who gave us our opportunities and we will give account for every single opportunity that God has given us, every single gift that God has given us, every single minute of time that God has given us that we have wasted away, every single bit of treasure that God has given us and the opportunities God has given us, we will give account. You think, you think elimination is not important? You think getting people out of your life or places out of your life or practices out of your life that's keeping you from focusing on your purpose and focusing on the purpose that God has for you? You say, what's the big deal? Because one day we're going to stand before God for, the, the, <laughs> for everything we do on the track. And as a steward, as a manager, we will, we will give an account. But, write this down. We are managers, not owners. We will give account. Number three, we will be rewarded. Thank God. We will be rewarded. Listen. I'll get to that in a minute. Look in, look, in, look in Luke 12, 13. Really, where we want to go is verse 42, but I want to lead you up to it. Because what happens from verse 13 to verse 41 kind of gives you a better grip on verse... Wait a minute, what's the time? Oh, we got plenty of time. All right, watch this. <clears throat> Here's what started the whole deal about about stewardship and, and, and doing right with what God gives you and all that kind of thing. Verse 13, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. So here we have two brothers that are fighting over an inheritance. Apparently, one got all of it and, didn't, and, and, the, and the younger one or whoever the other one was didn't get his fair share of what he thought he should have got. And so he wanted Jesus to go to his brother and get him some more. All right? Well, Jesus begins to deal with it. Isn't it funny how when most of the time people brought problems to Jesus, he went another direction with it? It's just like in counseling. Most people don't come to me with a real problem. They come to me with symptoms. Well, this guy had symptoms of greed. He had problems with greed, and Jesus knew that. It wasn't necessarily that the brother had done him wrong. He craved possessions. So Jesus begins to deal with it. He says, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, Look what it says in verse 18. And he said, But verse 20, But Anyway, you can say what you want to, but God will overrule. But God said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And he says, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. So here in verse 13 through 21, we have Jesus given a warning against greed okay 13 through 21 is a warning against greed greed say that with me greed okay now watch this verse 22 and he said unto his disciples therefore i say unto you take no thought for your life what ye shall eat neither for your body what ye shall put on the life is more than meat and the body more than raiment consider the ravens he said look at them Check them birds out. Consider ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn. Think about that. 
This other guy, he had the storehouse, he had the barn, he's going to build bigger barns, but guess what? He died. And God is saying, look at these ravens. They don't have no barns. They don't have these storehouses. They're not trying to pile up something. And he says, but watch. And God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you taking thought can add, or that means to worry. How many of y'all by worrying can add to your stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies. Now he's talking about the flowers. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothe the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nation of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto unto you. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Are y'all with me? Sell that ye have, give alms, provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay? Verses number 22 through 34, he is warning against worry and fear or anxiety. First he deals with greed. Now he's dealing with people that worry. He said, listen, God's going to take care of you. He said, look at the grass. Look at the flowers. Look at the birds. You're more important than they are. Look how good God takes care of them. Don't worry about it. And he's basically talking about the basic necessities of life. Your clothing, what you shall wear, what you shall eat, your shelter. God knows you have need. God knows you have things in your life that you need, daily needs, and God's going to take care of you. So don't worry about that. So we find a certain amount of verses that's warning against greed. Then we have a certain amount. You, you see how all of these have to do with money and provisions? You with me? Now watch the next set. Now he's talking about 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Now, now he's talking about the servants because servants would meet their masters that would come in the night and they would come out to them with torches to give them light up to the house. If that makes sense, say amen. He said, in other words, as a servant, as a servant, you need to be prepared. You need to be ready. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves liken the men that wait for their Lord. When he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. That is a great picture right there. That's talking about when you're ready, when Jesus comes, Jesus is going to serve you. Jesus is going to bless you. Man, anyway, that's a whole other message. Well, that's a good one, though. And it shall come in the second watch, or if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch and find them so. Blessed are those servants. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also. For the Son of Man cometh in an hour when you think not. All right, verses 35 through 40 is a warning against procrastination. He's talking to servants. He's talking to stewards. He's warning us against greed He's warning us against worry and fretting over our needs of life. He said, don't worry about that stuff. Now he's, now he's warning against procrastination. How many of y'all, with your preacher, sometimes you've been guilty of procrastinating? He said, don't procrastinate. Be ready. Be prepared. All right, now watch. Here's where, here's where I want to get. Now all of that leads up to this. Oh, goodness. I got I to give this. We gotta, y'all gotta, when we get through, y'all run to get the children, okay? Verse 41. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? That's the key to understanding the next verses. Are, are, are you talking about us, the believers, or everybody? Now Jesus says. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise what? Whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household 
to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whose Lord, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. In other words, he finds him obedient. Of a truth, I will say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But, and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord, now, this, now he's talking about an unbeliever. The first one represents a believing steward. The second one is a wicked unbelieving. My Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to beat the maid servants and, or the man servants and maid servants and to eat and to drink and to be drunk. And the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him asunder and will appoint his portion with the unbelievers. Now here's, here's the point. I run out of time, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. We are all stewards, guys. We are all responsible for what God has given us and the opportunities God has given us. And one day we're going to stand account to God for our opportunities. We've got to do everything to press on, press on, press on, because I am a manager of God's time, God's treasure, God's talent that he has given us, the opportunities he has given me. Somebody say amen. amen. Then write this down. See, see, we've got to hurry. hurry uh, write this down. There's got to be elimination. There's got to be stewardship. But then there's got to be this. Write this down. <clears throat> there's got to be a limit to adding. Or limited adding. In other words, limit what you put in your life. The Bible says a good soldier does not entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath called him to be a soldier. Be careful what you allow in your day planner. Even good stuff can beset you. If you are too busy to pray, it's time to eliminate. If you're too busy to serve, it's time to eliminate. If you're too busy to go to church, it's time to eliminate. If you're too busy to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, it's time to eliminate. And then once you've eliminated that schedule where you could be focused and centered on God and the will of God for your life, then be careful of letting anything come back into that focus. And all God's people say it. Father, thank you for your word and this blessing and this lesson and in the rain in Jesus' name.